The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Guess what, Mango? What's that, Will? All right, so I know we've both got little inventors in our families, and it's so much fun to see what they come up with. But I actually read this story recently, and I thought I'd share it with you. Now, have you heard of this guy? His name was Robert W. Patch. Uh, I don't think I have. You haven't heard of the Patch, man? I mean, so, well, this was a Gosh, little man. over 50 years ago, and Robert got this patent for a toy truck design. Now, the thing is, he was just six years old when he got this. And he'd built this toy truck using shoeboxes and bottle caps and some nails. But here's the clever thing about it. Actually, he could transform it from a flatbed truck to a dump truck just by moving some of the axles. And so his dad, who happened to be a patent attorney, sees this and he realizes this is patentable. So, of course, Robert was actually so young that he couldn't even write his name at the time. So if you look back at the patent application, he just signed it with an X. <laughs> That's pretty cute that like he can invent a truck, but he can't sign his name. Yeah. But did he ever uh, make money off it? No, he didn't. And, you know, they just looked at it as something that was more fun and fun to get the patent. But actually, he did get some publicity out of it. And then, you know, marketers realized that the shoebox he used had been built using a Ked shoebox. And so he got a free pair of Keds from it. So not a bad prize <laughs> for this. But anyway, that's just the first of nine stories of inventions that we've got for you today. So let's dig in. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Mangesh Hatekater. And sitting behind the soundproof booth, surrounded by, I'd say it's at least, what do you think, 15 bags 15, of shelled peanuts? 16, somewhere around there, yeah. It's hard to say, but it's a lot of bags <laughs> of shelled peanuts. I mean, this guy, I haven't seen him this inspired by something he's been reading in a long time, but he's been reading George Washington Carver's biography. I think this is actually his second go of the biography. <laughs> it's been fun to watch him, just so inspired. Well, anyway, that's our friend and producer, Tristan McNeil. 
Now, Mango, I know one of your goals as a kid was to be an inventor as well. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I had, I think, four goals as a kid. And uh, this was when I was super young. But I wanted to be an inventor, a mm-hmm. composer, a cartoonist, and a writer. And obviously, you know, a lot of those things didn't pan out. But I used to watch Dr. Fat. I say Fad. you're pretty good at most of those things. <laughs> I used to watch Dr. Fad on TV who, like, had invented that wacky wall walker, and he'd celebrate kid inventors every week. And in first grade, I came up with this idea for, like, a glow-in-the-dark patch that you could attach to the zipper of a tent so, like, you could find it easily at night. And I actually think that idea came out of a necessity when I was camping and had to use the bathroom badly, but I would just go around inventing cute things like that all the time. I mean, that's a great idea. And the thing is, honestly... I don't think we've ever owned a tent that had a glow-in-the-dark zipper on it. So that's (laughs) there's still room for this. And you know what? It's also weird. I haven't thought about those wall walkers until you just said that. Those things were so much fun. We played with those all the time. (laughs) All right. Well, one of the reasons we wanted to do an episode on amateur inventors was because inventions, they, they kind of feel like one of those truly American things. Like, you know, everybody gets their 15 seconds of fame. Everybody's got a novel in them. And everybody probably has a brilliant idea for some invention. And whether or not they make money off these inventions, we thought it'd be fun to celebrate some of that roll up your sleeves and build something ingenuity. So, Mango, I I kick this off with Robert W. Patch's toy truck. And, you know, I have to say the full name. I can't just say Robert or the Patch. (laughs) I have to say Robert W. Patch's toy truck. Old Patchy. Old Patchy. Well, anyway... Where do you want to go from there? So I actually want to talk about a story I heard from our old pal, uh, Ethan Trex. And this is forever ago. But this is about Frank Dorsa, who is the genius behind Ego Frozen Waffles. And he started a food company from his parents' basement, which I do want to point out is a good side note to parents about why not to kick your adult kids out of your basement because it could (laughs) pan out. But uh, Ego actually started as a mayonnaise company, which is why it's called Ego. You know, I I never put that together. But uh, the the mayo spread was actually so popular that Dorsa and his brothers ended up with this extra cash and they decided to use it to make a waffle batter that they could sell to, like, local chains. And when they realized the market was limited in the region, uh, Dorsa rigged up this merry-go-round motor, and he built this giant 30-foot whirling machine that you could pour batter into, and it would prepare a 1,000 waffles for freezing in an hour. I mean, oh it's gosh. remarkable. Wow. Yeah. And, and so the frozen waffles were originally called froffles. I love that name so much. That's a great name. (laughs) I honestly hope there's a documentary about uh, Frank because he sounds like such a wonderful man. Like, uh, according to his obituary, and I I think I saw in the Seattle Times, he had uh, no hobbies. He just invented tons of things. Like, he made this um, squeegee for cement and this uh, commercial potato peeler, which you could use to make potato chips, but it basically made it unnecessary to peel potatoes by hand anymore. And the rest of the time, he just spent being a great husband and father. But apparently he did have this one white whale that he never conquered. Like, all his life, he tried to make a delicious frozen pancake, but it just never happened. Oh, man. But that is a great story. (laughs) A thousand waffles in an hour just coming up with this motor idea. That is really impressive. And I I did not know that about the uh, the mayonnaise company. All right, well, I'm going to stick with that food theme and talk about the invention of one of the greatest snacks of all time, Mango. I'm talking about none other than the cheese puff. And <laughs> I found this story from the Tedium newsletter. And, uh, you know, just like Alexander Fleming and penicillin, cheese puffs were, were were really more of a discovery than an invention. So 
I love your idea of comparing cheese puffs and penicillin. Like those things have equal weight in human history. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, penicillin's <laughs> more important than you realize. It's it's as important as the cheese puff, I think. But, okay, but this happened on. at this little company in Beloit, Wisconsin, where they made animal feed. And so basically the company ran all their food through this industrial grinder to make the food softer for the cows so they could chew it more easily. And then they would be able to eke out every last bit of corn that they were using. And what came out the other end were these thin little flakes. So the grinder worked pretty well, but there were some kinks and the machine would get stuck. And so they were looking for ways to make the process a little bit smoother. So what they did was, you know, sometimes the operators would moisten the corn before it went through But as this one employee, Edward Wilson, noticed, when the moist corn hit the heat of the machine, it actually puffed up on the other side without any of the kernels. Now, since this was going to animals, most people just went back to not moistening the corn and running it on through. But Wilson decided to try something out. He took some of the puff corn home, he seasoned it, and then he tried it out to see how it tasted. And then the process, he created what he called corn curls. And these were the predecessor to so many things. We've got cheese whiz, cheese doodles, Cheetos. I'm just getting so (laughs) hungry thinking about it. But for what it's worth, the company decided to change their name to the Adams Corporation. And they shifted to being a snack company. And they marketed their new cheese puff as, quote, the aristocrat of snacks. And I can't think of a more perfect slogan. It is so, so fancy. Anyway, so what do you have next, Mango? Well, one person I'm grateful for is Chester Greenwood, who, like me, didn't like cold weather because his ears used to get super cold. And he didn't love wearing hats because he was allergic to the wool. Unlike me, though, he loved ice skating. So he was looking for any way to stay out playing with his friends. And he enlisted his grandmother to make him some earmuffs. He had her sew some fur or flannel pads onto a wire that he could slap onto his head. And while his friends initially mocked him for these ridiculous-looking muffs, before long, (laughs) they were actually clamoring for them, too. And over the years, he made some improvements that eventually landed him a patent. But what's amazing is that this eventually became his family business. Like, within 10 years, and this was in the 1880s, he'd built a small factory of about a dozen workers, and they churned out 50,000 earmuffs a year. Oh, wow. Yes, it put Farmington, Maine on the map as the earmuff capital of the world. The earmuff capital of the world. That Uh is unbelievable, though. 50,000 a year at that time. I can't imagine being able to crank that out with what technology they would have had available to them. Or where you um, find the market. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, I wanted to talk for a second about Josephine Cochran, who we've talked about before. She invented the dishwasher. And many people may have heard this story before that Cochran was a socialite who invented the appliance out of frustration. But actually, it wasn't because she didn't like doing the dishes. I mean, the truth is, she had never really been doing the dishes in the first place. She was actually so rich that she had the domestic help to do the dishwashing for her. But where her frustration came in was that, you know, the people who were washing the dishes were often so rough with the plates and saucers that they'd often end up chipped. So what she did, she went out back to the shed, and this is all true, and she figured out this system for washing dishes. Now, what's amazing is that she came to inventing things naturally. Her dad was a civil engineer. Her great-granddad had all these inventions related to the steamboat. And so she came up with a dishwasher that you cranked by hand, but then you used hot water to clean all these plates carefully. So did this thing take off immediately? I mean, not really in middle-class households because you needed hot water on hand, and these didn't function with electricity just yet. 
but she debuted her dishwasher at the Chicago World's Fair. And so it was restaurants and these commercial establishments that actually went crazy for it first. And then she eventually grew this little company into a brand you probably have heard of, and it's called KitchenAid. Oh, that's funny. I, I didn't know that. So I think Josephine Cochran would have actually admired my next inventor on the list, whose name is uh, Francis Gabe. And according to her obituary in the New York Times, Francis was sick of the fact that, quote, house cleaning was a woman's chronic lot. So she began to dream of a house that would see to its own hygiene, tenderly washing, rinsing, and drying itself at the touch of a button. I mean, it's a great obituary they've written mm. to her. But basically, <laughs> she built this car wash in her kitchen, and she'd hide <laughs> under an umbrella and then press a button, and suddenly all these sprinklers would wash down all the cabinets and counters and the floor, and then the second spray, which would miss the soapy water, would cover everything, and then a third spray would wash it down again, and finally, a gigantic blow dryer would push warm water across all of the surfaces to dry everything off. The whole process took about an hour, and apparently the thing worked like a charm. It's pretty amazing. That is pretty amazing. And you know what? I think somebody stole this idea. I think I remember Tim the Toolman Taylor himself having <laughs> a kitchen with pretty much this exact system. But the thing I always wondered there is the same thing I'm wondering here, and that is, where did all the water actually go? So she ingeniously had designed these very slightly sloping floors. Like, they were so gentle you couldn't tell. And then there were these grates where the water would get pushed out of, but apparently even that was ingenious because before the water was sent to the lawn or the drain or whatever, it cycled through her doghouse where it would actually give her dog a shower. Oh my gosh, this is brilliant. <laughs> like you just want to see this whole system in action. Yeah. All right, well, I've got a, a slightly different fact about an invention that, that might have been almost as brilliant. So I want to talk about slap bracelets. And course, we remember these from the 90s, and they've made a comeback recently, as they seem to every few years. But mm -hmm. apparently, they were the invention of a high school teacher, and his name was Stuart Anders. Now, Anders was messing around in his father's shop with some steel ribbon, and the idea literally slapped him on the wrist. Now, this was back in the mid-80s, and over the years, he decided to put a little bit of fabric on it. He showed it to a friend. Now, that friend happened to be an agent for toy makers. And so they were off to the races with a product they called Slap Wraps. And so the New York Times wrote about this product and called it the biggest cheap novelty craze since Pet Rocks. Now, hmm. I'm sure you've heard how slap bracelets were banned from so many schools and other places because they were truly slicing yeah, kids' hands up. Yeah, they were pretty dangerous. I'm, I think I'd probably cut myself a time or two with them as well, but... You know, that wasn't Anders' slap wrap product. And you know, in fact, he and the toy company that he'd been working with initially delayed the rollout of the product because they wanted to make sure these bracelets were safe for kids. You know, and these slap wraps actually changed their product to be able to prevent these injuries. But when they started doing something like $15 million in sales each year, you had these knockoff toy companies that, you know, they smelled opportunity, they rushed their less safe products to market, and those are actually the ones that, that you know, resulted in killing the craze. I mean, it is so weird to me that you could just, like, put some fabric on some metal and kids just go wild for it. But I know the first time I slapped one on my wrist, I just thought it was magic. You know, well, I, I know we've got two more facts to go, but why don't we take a little break first? Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. 
Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius, where we're talking inventions. All right, Mango, we've each got one fact left. So what's your last one going to be? So I'm going to do mine on the Band-Aid because I love the story of Earl and Josephine Dixon. So Earl was a Johnson & Johnson employee, and he had a new bride, Josephine, who was apparently super, super klutzy. Every time he'd come home, he'd find she'd hurt herself in some new and different way. Like, the story honestly sounds like she had lived in, like, some sort of abusive kitchen because, like, she'd burn herself on the stove or she'd, like, hit herself with a cabinet and end up with this bruise. And it was horrible. And while Earl was super sympathetic at first, he got tired of dressing all the wounds every day after work. (laughs) So he took a long roll of Johnson Johnson's surgical tape and then he cut these squares of gauze which he spaced out evenly along the tape. And then he covered it all in this layer of crinoline so that it wouldn't stick to itself. And the whole idea was that anytime Josephine banged herself up, she could simply snip a bandage off the roll and place it on her new wound. So I'd actually heard that part of the story before, and and I I thought it's really wonderful. But I was always curious, like, how did Band-Aids actually take off? And it turns out once Johnson & Johnson found out about the product and started making it themselves, they marketed it by sending free Band-Aids to kids in the Boy Scouts. Like, Hmm. wherever you were in the Boy Scouts, they would send you Band-Aids for free for the first year. And with all the scrapes and bruises and cuts, you know, that could now quickly be remedied and, like, conveniently treated, den leaders were all about the Band-Aids, and they spread the word to the rest of America. And that's how Band-Aids became so popular. That is incredible, and it makes all the sense in the world. But what a brilliant idea initially Mm -hmm. to do this. Yeah, I I think it's pretty amazing. So what's your last fact? All right, well, I thought I could wrap up by celebrating Lillian Gilbreth. And now she's famous for a number of things. She was a psychologist and did some pioneering work in efficiency management. 
And then two of her 12 kids actually later wrote about this in a book that you might know called Cheaper by the Dozen. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so she was also an inventor who led this incredible life. She was the first woman to give a commencement address when she graduated from the University of California. She was the first female professor in engineering at uh, Purdue. And by interviewing housewives and understanding their needs, she came up with a number of incredible household inventions, including, I wrote some of these down, uh, the shelves on the refrigerator door that hold butter and eggs. She also <laughs> invented the foot pedal that opens garbage cans. And for that, I cannot thank her enough. I feel like <laughs> I, I need to uh, write her descendants a, a thank you note. And then she held the patent on the electric can opener. I mean, what's funny to me about all these things is like there are things you just take for granted. Like I just always assumed that like the shelves on fridge doors always existed or like, mm-hmm. you know, trash cans have had foot pedals forever. But It's remarkable that they weren't only invented by someone, but that they were invented by the same person. It's pretty, pretty amazing. So I I think you have to take home the trophy for discovering that. Oh, thank you very much. This was a fun one to work on. And thanks, as always, to Eve's Jeffcoat for all of her great research for today's episode. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with a full-length episode tomorrow. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.